0: Welcome to PEM Currents, this is Brad Soboleski. today I'm going to be talking about two of your favorite medicines, acetaminophen and ibuprofen, and most of us don't really think much about comparing the two on a regular basis, though many of our patients' parents may swear by one or the other, usually ibuprofen, and I wondered, is there any evidence to support the superiority of one agent over another? So, I'm going to go through a few different questions about these two agents and see if we can come to a tentative conclusion. First of all, cyclooxygenase or COX. You remember that from med school, and if you really remember it from med school, you recall that it converts arachidonic acid to prostaglandin H2. Why is this important? Well, Prostaglandin H2 and other chemicals cause fevers. COX-1 inhibition leads to platelet aggregation as well, whereas COX-2 inhibition is involved in antipyresis and anti-inflammatory effects. So it's more the COX-2 where you're using the properties of ibuprofen and acetaminophen to benefit in pediatric patients. Ibuprofen is a non-selective COX-1 and COX-2 inhibitor. Therefore, it's got the platelet and the antipyresis and anti-inflammatory effects. Acetaminophen is much more selective for COX-2. And in general, they both really end up doing the same thing in the end, but it's probably important to understand them given some of the potential downsides it'll go over in a moment. And that moment is now. So yes, it is possible for ibuprofen to hurt your kidneys or your stomach. Renal impairment in NSAID users occurs mostly in patients with pre-existing kidney disease or low intravascular volume states or low cardiac output states. So the kidneys aren't getting good blood flow and the impact of the NSAID is magnified. Ibuprofen inhibits prostaglandin synthesis, as we remember from earlier in this podcast. This can lead to decreased renal blood flow and decreased glomerular filtration. Acute kidney injury after ibuprofen overdose is generally because of interstitial nephritis. A dose of less than 200 milligrams per kilogram, so overdose levels, is rarely harmful. Though there were some clinically unimportant increases in BUN, There were no changes to a significant degree in any sort of renal function in children getting ibuprofen versus acetaminophen. In addition, a double-blinded randomized control trial conducted by Lesko in 1999 of over 27,000 febrile children under the age of two with follow-up consisting of medical record review, questionnaires, and interviews showed no risk of GI bleed or adverse effects in children getting varying doses of ibuprofen, period. So the bottom line is that though that theoretical risk does exist, in most patients, if you were to give a single dose of ibuprofen, you're gonna be fine. It's repeated cumulative doses in patients with renal or GI setups, and especially those that take more than 200 milligrams per kilogram that will run into problems in the kidney or stomach. Now how about ibuprofen use in babies less than six months of age? You may have recalled or been told that you're not supposed to give it. So say you've got a febrile, irritable four-month-old that has received acetaminophen about an hour ago and the fever has yet to reduce and you're really trying to make a decision regarding management. Well, the Food and Drug Administration has only approved ibuprofen for use in children older than six months of age. That's the reason why it's not recommended. Now in all honesty, is a single dose in a euvolemic, non-septic four month old going to cause kidney injury? Probably not, but the decision comes down to your own assessment of the risk. And I certainly wouldn't at this point recommend it to the parent as a repeat dosing drug. So that's a little bit about potential injury and safety concerns. Now let's get into the main body of this podcast, chiefly looking at the use of both agents as an antipyretic. Let's start with the basics. They both work. It's that simple. But what about the mom who swears that ibuprofen works better? Well, she may be on to something. Parrots et al. in 2004 looked at 17 blinded randomized control trials and children under the age of 18 years who received either drug for pain or fever. They noted that at 2, 4, and 6 hours post treatment, that ibuprofen dosed anywhere from 5 to 10 mg per kilogram reduced temperature more than acetaminophen dosed 10 to 15 mg per kilogram by up to a third of a degree centigrade more, period. In 2004, Goldman conducted a systematic review looking at reduction of temperature over time and for how long the temperature was reduced in children receiving either agent. They noted similar efficacy in this study with an ever so slightly increased benefit in those getting ibuprofen. There were 14 studies in this systematic review, 11 were randomized control trials. They seemed to be methodologically sound. And then in 2002, Purcell looked at eight studies comparing both agents and their fever reducing abilities in children four months to 13 years. They found that there was no benefit for either drug at one hour post administration, but that ibuprofen had a mean temperature reduction of 0.58 centigrade at six hours. So ibuprofen had a longer duration of activity. Acetaminophen, there was no temperature reduction at that six hour mark. So remember that mom that said that ibuprofen was better? She's got a little bit of a leg to stand on. The differences aren't terribly significant, but ibuprofen seems to keep fever down a little bit longer and gets the temperature down a tiny bit more. Now, what if you have a child who's highly febrile, burning up, hot to the touch, and you wanna give them both at the onset of fever? Well, acronyms make for interesting study reads, and so the pitch, paracetamol plus ibuprofen for the treatment of fever in children trial, looked at ibuprofen versus acetaminophen versus both drugs together, dose at the same time in a randomized controlled trial. They noted that in the patients that got both drugs, They cleared fever 23 minutes faster than acetaminophen alone, but no faster than ibuprofen. So the combination when regularly given over a 24-hour period also resulted in less time with fever versus either drug alone. So yes, this trial does indicate that you can give both simultaneously, but the benefit isn't startlingly great. And this is probably a surefire way to get confused about how much medicine you're giving the child. Which leads me into my next point, alternating Tylenol and Ibuprofen. Go ahead and dive into the wormhole of information on Google about alternating these agents. Many parents swear that this is the way to go. You know, they'll give Tylenol at 12, and Ibuprofen at 3, and Tylenol at 6, and Tylenol I mean Ibuprofen... Exactly. They get confused. Is this a safe and effective method? The answer is probably with a few caveats. So back in 2008, Kramer found in a prospective, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial that acetaminophen alone had no significant difference in temperature at zero, three, and six hours versus patients who were alternated on the agents. There were, however, significant differences at the temperature in four and five hours favoring the group who alternated. So you're getting acetaminophen at hour one and hour six and there's no difference at hour three, but there is that gap in the fourth and fifth hour where the group who alternated had lower temperatures. This study also looked at parent perception of efficacy, and the parents didn't indicate a significant difference, for whatever that's worth. Alternating the two drugs, though, does increase the complexity of the regimen, especially in kids that have multiple caregivers. Some reports have indicated that detailed counseling on dosing intervals and safety have not occurred in three out of five parents who were advised to alternate. The greatest danger here is with acetaminophen overdose. So what do I do? Well, I don't routinely recommend alternating the agents because of the risk of getting too much acetaminophen. If parents insist upon doing it, I caution them to be really, really, supremely, really anal retentive with tracking dose, drug in time of administration, and then to re-evaluate the need to do this every 12 hours. Yes, you can reduce the presence of fever and make their child better, especially in that interval between when a single agent should not be given, but I alternately find most alternate their dosing because they fear the fever. Thus, spend more time on counseling on fever phobia rather than on constructing a delicate antipyretic schedule. Alright, so let's get to the conclusion. Who wins? Well, it's not that clear cut, but for a single dose of an antipyretic, which is what you're gonna give in the ED, for a child older than six months of age with fever, I prefer ibuprofen alone, and this is by the slimmest of margins. For most kids with fever, both work great. I do not recommend alternating nor do I necessarily give both at the same time. A child that is under the age of six months shouldn't get ibuprofen on a regular basis. If you need to give it in the emergency department to a well-hydrated, non-septic, good-looking baby with fever in order to help you determine whether or not the child looks sick because of the fever or do they just look sick in general, a single dose of ibuprofen is probably okay, but know that it is not FDA approved. Ultimately, both drugs are fantastic. They're safe and they're effective. And hopefully this podcast will allow you to answer patient and family questions about both of them. Thanks again for listening. This has been Brad Soboleski for PEM Currents. You can check out more educational content at pemblog.com.